0: You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church, Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. So how might we respond to this second lockdown? When I look back to our first lockdown, one of the things that I think about is that we tried to do lots of stuff. I remember all those conversations with my friends who were all learning new languages, getting fit, learning to bake, loads of new ideas and new enthusiasm. As a church, we did a bit of that as well. It felt like there was an option to do something different on Zoom about four times a day, every day. We lived our lives through being a rectangular video on a screen of other rectangular videos. And some of of this was good some of it brought us closer to people that we hadn't seen for ages we realized that because everyone was at home geographic boundaries were broken and suddenly it didn't matter whether you were living next door to somebody or in another country to them a rectangular video was a rectangular video wherever it was When I was at university, I lived with four boys and now we're dotted all around the country. When we first graduated, we used to meet up fairly regularly, but then marriages and kids came along. But at the beginning of the first lockdown, we'd take it in turns to write obscure sports quizzes for the rest of the group, which very quickly became very competitive. But over time, I think Zoom fatigue definitely set in. I definitely got to the point where I was spending so much time on Zoom during my working day. The last thing I wanted to do on a Saturday evening was log into another call. So now we've just started another lockdown, but I think we're definitely starting this one a bit more tired than we were last time around. And it's not just that we're bored of online interaction, but last time there was a bit of a novelty factor, wasn't there? I was coming out of a pretty busy time at work, which involved lots of evening and weekend meetings. And to be honest, when the first lockdown started, I was looking forward to having a legitimate reason to be home a bit more. But that novelty factor isn't there anymore, and the weather isn't good this time around. So what are we going to do about the next month? How can we learn the lessons from the first lockdown and help each other through the next few weeks? Dan read to us the first few verses of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Letters then usually started with the names of the people who wrote it and then the people it's addressed to. So it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Together with the overseers and deacons, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. This isn't a letter directed at the leaders of that church. It's written to everyone. All God's holy people means everyone in that community. The church in Philippi was probably quite small. It was in its infancy, and they knew, and Paul knew, that everyone had a part to play in making sure they showed Jesus' love to their community. They all needed to show up. There's a quote that I've always loved from Woody Allen, which talks about this same thing. He said, showing up is 80% of life. Years later, he was asked about this and he said, yeah, I made this statement years ago, which is often quoted that 80% of life is showing up. People used to always say to me that they wanted to write a play. They wanted to write a movie. They wanted to write a novel. And the couple of people that did it were 80% of the way to having something happen. All the other people struck out without ever getting that chance. They couldn't do it. That's why they don't accomplish a thing. They don't do the thing. So once you do it, If you actually write your film script or you write your novel, you are more than halfway towards something good happening. So I would say that that was my biggest life lesson that has worked. All others have failed me. Just showing up. Just keeping going. I think this is going to be important for me in the next month. Just showing up just keeping going, because we need each other. We need to show up for each other. So what does this look like practically over the next month? We're going to be posting a few ideas at the address on the screen, all with the plan to help us to look after our well-being over the new lockdown. This might be online sessions to join in with, WhatsApp groups so we can virtually exercise together, or even just a suggestion of a funny TV series to watch. We need each other But this doesn't have to be about running something, organising something, leading something. I think one of the other important things that we can do over the next month is just check in with each other. Let's try and make sure that no one gets left out. You might have the relationship with that person who otherwise might not get a text. Let's take this month as an opportunity to build community. Yes, we're stuck in our houses, but let's not retreat into ourselves. Let's make sure that we look out for each other. So take a chance and send that text because we're all in this and there's a role for all of us to play. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Nath, trying hard to be a servant of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Bath, in Waterloo, in wherever you're watching this. Now, I'm sure that some of you, like me, have spent a lot of time this week glued to the news of the US presidential election. And among all the questions of has Joe Biden done enough and will Donald Trump ever admit defeat and leave office, there was one story that stuck out to me. Corey Bush is a nurse and a pastor, and she was elected to the House of Representatives. I watched her acceptance speech, and she starts by saying this. Your congresswoman-elect loves you, and I need you to get that, because if I love you, I care that you eat. If I love you, I care that you have shelter and adequate safe housing. If I love you, I care that you have clean water and clean air and you have a livable wage. I love that your congresswoman-elect loves you. For me, that's brave, it's honest, it's prophetic, and it's an example to all of us, particularly in the next month. Let's be brave enough to follow Cory Bush's example and say to each other, your friend loves you, and if I love you, I care about your well-being. Is there anything you need? Is there anything I can do? Because we all need people around us from time to time, don't we? The week before last was half term and we're usually really fortunate in that we get some support from our parents to look after our kids in the school holidays. But obviously at the moment this isn't possible. My wife and I were both trying to do full time jobs and look after the kids and it was a really busy week. But then a friend of ours showed up with some Lego for the kids. And for a whole morning they sat quietly and made Lego and then played with it for the whole afternoon. It made a huge difference to us. However self-sufficient we like to say we are, we all need people around us. So, as I finish, there's another verse from the end of Paul's letter to that church in Philippi. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 say, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. One more story about those verses before I finish. There was once a marathon runner from Tanzania called John Akwari. John made it to the Olympics in Mexico City in 1968. He was hugely proud to have qualified, but the problem was the race was at altitude and he'd never run at altitude, which thins the oxygen. And if you're not used to it, it makes it much more difficult to run. But John Akwari kept going and he got to near the halfway mark when he was jostling for position and got knocked to the ground. He dislocated his knee and hurt his shoulder, but he got up and he kept going. John Aquari eventually finished last, way behind the guy in second to last, and over an hour behind the winner. By the time he'd entered the stadium, most of the crowd had gone home and the sun had gone down. When he was asked why he carried on, he said this. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. I think this story is the same as Paul's in that letter. He encourages all of God's holy people to press forward to reach the goal. But neither he nor John Akwari said he have to be the first to reach the goal. But we keep on going and cross that finishing line. It's about commitment to the race, but it's also about commitment to each other, whether that's John Akwari's commitment to his people back home in Tanzania, whether that's Cori Bush's commitment to her constituents in Missouri, whether that's the church in Philippi's commitment to each other, or whether it's our commitment right now, today, to our communities in Waterloo, in Bath, wherever you are. We need each other. If we're going to thrive in this next month, we need each other. So let's show up. Let's be brave and let's take that first step today.